Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're coming to you for the hottest podcast of the year. And by hottest, I mean temperature. Hot, 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 hot. It is, it's, it's, it's hot. I don't even know how else to put it. It's so hot. Right now, I'm in my office dying. I don't know if you guys can hear my fan in the background. I've got it cranked all the way up because there is just no way I can do it without the fan on. My fan is on, too. I have one, two, three fans in my office. That's more fans than I normally have online. And I'm enjoying a tasty beverage. Nice. I know. I know, right? Not bad yeah. for 10 o'clock in the morning. Not bad at all. It's actually one in the afternoon right now. <laughs> on we're, a Saturday. We're doing this on a Saturday when I don't work, but my wife is out of town and my kids are in bed taking naps. You we had it? daddy day. They're going to wake morning. up in the middle of this, right? No, they still want to come. So, uh, before we get into our smack talk, why don't we tell everyone what today's topic is all about? Is this is this going to be part four? It's preaching part four: a new hope. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Part four: a new hope. Well, so, that's, that's okay, cool. So- yeah, and and here's the deal. We'll we'll talk about preaching before this is done. But uh, this week was the week where Liberty saw episode three, Phantom Menace. So we did the machete, which if you guys remember what the machete is on well, Star Fan- Wars films. Phantom Menace is the first one. Oh, did I say Phantom Menace? I meant Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. All right. So we watched the machete, which is, by the way, if you guys don't know, you start off watching Star Wars New Hope, right? Episode four, Luke, Ben Kenobi gets killed, all that, in case you remembered. 
And then Empire Strikes Back, you watch next. Then you go back in time and you watch the prequels. Now, when you're showing it to a six-year-old, she's like, so when Luke was a boy, you're like, no, 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 no. He's like, but she's in the desert and C-3PO. Like, she's really confused. So uh, on one level, this was a bad move. But after we kind of got through it, I had to really, I felt like I needed little golden books and they have those. They have Star Wars little golden books. I wanted to go back and read her little golden books to like, you know, complete her Jedi training and refresher of who she was about to watch. So before I gave her some prep, I'm like, look, remember at the end of Empire, Darth Vader, you know, he tells Luke, you know, I'm your daddy. And she's like, yeah, but he was lying. Because remember, for us, that was like the big reveal. That was the <gasps> moment for us, right, right? Right. So, you know, so we're having that talk and I go, well, we need to find out what happens to Anakin. And uh, so, of course, we're watching this and um, and it happened, man. It was it was a thing of beauty. The moment of of her generation's reveal, the reveal for her, her generation is when they find out Anakin is Darth Vader. And when that scene happened and the emperor goes, rise, Darth Vader, she goes, <gasps> and she looks at me, you know, and it was, it was a proud dad moment. And I just knew I am raising my daughter right. That coupled with the fact that this week she came up to me and said, hey, daddy, I want to be Batgirl for Halloween. This is the first year it's not been a princess thing. And she told me, only though. If you're Batman. So guess who gets to buy a new Batman costume? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't make me destroy oh, you. Man, that's comedy. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, before I mean, we- you know, my old Batman costume, I bought it out of the kids section. I actually fit in it. I, that's disturbing on actually many, many levels. So, uh, before we get into our uh, our smack talk, full fledged smack talk, we got to do a little. Well, I thought uh, that was you are. This week's oh. episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by Mogif. Give me an M. 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 Give me give an me O. An o. Oh, give me a G. G. Give me an I. Ah, give me a V. V. Mogi, 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 Mogi. That's a punk version. No E. <laughs> you got to always throw that in there. There's no E. No E. I think we've addressed the no E thing so many times that people are now confused and they go to type it in on their browser. <laughs> to go. Wait, is it E or no E? E or no E? That I, is the question. I think you just got to do it. You just got to keep doing it. So, church planner. If you haven't yet signed up for MoGiv, what are you waiting for? Are you are you hoping that <laughs> angels are told them what it is? We're we're just messing around. They listen MoGiv? to this podcast faithfully. Everyone knows what MoGiv is. You were the one that was teaching at the train station, and all of a sudden, someone yells yeah. out in the crowd, MoGiv, and then people started singing, MoGiv, the online text based giving system that lets your people give Mo. And see, that's what I would say. It's built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. It uses a little thing we like to call technology. <laughs> and since Twitter apparently is closing up shop, MoGiv is here to stay. Really? Wait, tell me what's going on with Twitter. Well, they're not closing up shop, but they're going to have a massive layoff. Because you know why? Twitter is stupid. Twitter always was stupid. I have to agree with you there. And pastors love it. It's like the one place, if you want to get a hold of pastors, 
you go on Twitter. Now, the regular folks aren't on Twitter, but pastors are on yeah. Twitter. You know, Batman said that criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot, but I would say pastors are a braggy lot. They love to brag, man. Go on Twitter and brag. Tweety bragging. Look That's what at Gary how Vaynerchuk relevant I am. Millennials flock to me. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> we have 57 baptisms today, everybody. How did you know, we go like, from a Mogive commercial to a Twitter bash like that? I don't know. I don't know. What's wrong with us, Pete? I wanna, but to finish up the Mogive, seriously, if you don't have Mogive, you, you got to get it, man. You, you need yourself some Mogive. That's all I'm going to say yeah. on that. And that's all there is. So go to mogive.com forward slash choich to learn more. It's, yeah. And, and actually, let me add on to that because, you know, our ad sucks so bad there. Um, <laughs> let me just make it worse. Um, our uh, Mogive, if, if you guys are church planning and you don't have a way for your people to give online, an online giving portal, and don't make them use PayPal. Just keep it really simple. Um you know, with, with PayPal, people got to sign up for a PayPal account. And a lot of people don't have PayPal accounts because they're not used to buying stuff off eBay. But everybody has a credit card or a bank account. And that's all you need for MoGive. Well, that and the other thing is that MoGive keeps your records for you. So when it comes time for that end of the year tax thing that they all want, MoGive has got it. Now, if you're using PayPal, forget it. PayPal doesn't do that. You got to do that. Yep. So... Make your life easy. Sign up for MoGive. That should be their tagline. Make your life easy. Sign up for MoGive. I am your father. That's what MoGive just said to PayPal. Who's your daddy? <laughs> I am your father. Who's your daddy? <laughs> so, uh, so what do you got for us in Smack Talk today? You know, that was pretty much my Smack Talk out of the way, man. That, that's all I had to say. Well, I had a lot of things happen this last week. It, it's been a, an absolutely crazy week for me. Um, last week was just an insane week with all the events I had going on, places I had to speak, clients I had to go see. Uh, and then this week was kind of like the fallout from the week before being such a crazy week. And I also happened to have a birthday this week. Four D. I turned the big 40, the big four zero. I loved your banner in your living room that your wife put up for you. Who's turning four? And it's like all Star Wars. And then it, she's got like a Sharpie pen. She's put a zero four T. <laughs> well, that's because that was what my son had this year for his fourth birthday was a Star Wars theme. And I'm like, dude, I want that for mine. Just draw a zero next to the four and we're good. And I got oh, a 40th awesome. birthday banner. So, uh, so, yeah, so on my birthday, we decided to go see a movie called The Walk, which is uh, about this guy named Philippe. I actually wrote about him in my book, Leader Fail. There's a great documentary, used to be on Netflix, and I believe it's called The Wire. And uh, anyway, what happened was this guy was like 18 or 19, living in uh, Paris at the time, and he's a tightrope walker, a high wire walker. That's what he does. That's what he loves. And he's uh, at the dentist office one day. And all of this, by the way, the, the, the movie is pretty accurate to the documentary, which is pretty accurate to the book, which uh, supposedly is the true story. And I don't know, because it happened in like the 70s. So anyway, he's at the dentist. And he's reading an article about 
the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center, and they were just being built at the time. They were still under construction. And he's looking at this picture of the two of them, and he draws a line in between the two towers. And he's like, that's my goal. I'm going to wire walk between the Twin Towers, 100 stories up in the air. I'm going to do it. Of course, totally illegal. <laughs> and this is the 70s, so it's not like in a post 9-11 world. So uh, he's going to do it anyway. And so a big part of the movie is the training for it. And then a big part of the movie is the breaking in of the World Trade Center, getting to the top. I mean, it's a lot of equipment to get to the top because we're not talking about walking on a rope. You're walking on a cable and that cable is extremely heavy. And then you got to get the cable from one side of the building uh, or to the other building, actually. So here is my problem with that movie. I really wanted to see it because I loved the documentary. I mean, like I said, I wrote about it in one of my books, his story. So I really wanted to see the movie. The problem was I am deathly afraid of heights. I don't do well with heights, and the only way we could watch it was 3D on IMAX. Oh, yeah. And I'm not kidding you, man. I am, like, flipping out in the theater. I'm closing my eyes through most of it. I'm grabbing Jamie. I'm like, look, I'm about ready to get the (laughs) heck out of here. I can't watch this. That is a movie that if ever there was one made for 3D, it's that one. And it's actually one of those movies I will never buy. I will not watch that in 3D ever again. I, I couldn't take it, Come man. On. I couldn't take That's it. That's the one movie you have to watch in 3D. Like, it has to be phenomenal when you when you can see what that dude saw. Oh, I I couldn't do it. I'm telling you, it was so difficult. For, I mean, dude's like, I mean, he's like running on the side of the building. There's no cable oh. to him. He's not, I mean, he's not, there's no safety dude, equipment. I gotta see this. I might go see this in 3D on Sunday. Yeah, do that instead of going to the big church launch. Yeah, you know, I was thinking I should probably go to the big church outreach, you know. Um, yeah. So so church planner, just even though we're we're kind of talking smack talk, let me just say we are doing an outreach in the park in Long Beach. Um, by by the time you hear this, it will have already happened. But um just to be aware, um, this morning I got a million texts from people saying Hey, I might be in the hospital a few days. People are getting taken out and we're not launching a church service. We're doing this big deal in the park. We're feeding mass amounts of people and everybody's getting taken out. So I just want to encourage you guys, man, be ready. If you're going to, if you're going to do a heavy, and this is the biggest outreach we've ever done. And I'm not a big event outreach person, but the the way I look at it, it's really funny because you always find that uh, some guy will write a book. And he'll knock big outreaches. And, uh, and, and what's funny about that is I notice that when the Apostle Paul went in, what he would always do is he would, he would make a splash in the community. He would do something that would create a stir. He would somehow see if he could get visible. So he'd go in the synagogue. And really, in some ways, he was picking a fight, right? <clears throat> the Archbishop of Canterbury said everywhere Paul went, they threw a riot everywhere I go. They throw a tea party. So we, you know, we look at like Paul and Mars Hill talking to thousands of people. We look at him in the in Ephesus during the riot. They take him into the the stadium. That thing holds thousands. Um, whole cities in an uproar. Paul liked big events 
he constantly is in them. And so don't don't think for a second that it's more biblical to go small. Okay, so you find Paul, when the sixth principle of church plan, I point out, uh, no matter where he went, was he create a stir. That was the sixth thing he did uh, whenever he rolled into a town. Each church plant looked different, but just be aware if you're going to do that, man, it's like poking the enemy in the chest. It's picking a fight with him. Kind of like when uh, Braveheart, you know, when, when they're getting ready to fight and Braveheart goes reeling off on his horse and they go, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to pick a fight. That's what evangelism is. It's picking a fight. So don't be surprised if you guys start getting taken out. That's all I have to say about that, Pete. I, I, I just had to throw plant. that in. Get to the church plant. Go! No! <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Did you get all those quotes I sent you, by the way? Yeah, but I didn't load them in. You, you sent me too many. I'm like, I, I don't have that kind of time. I, I sent you. I spent two hours going through and i picked you out the funny dude i'm sitting there in my office andrew is gone i'm sitting in my office one night just laughing after i put the kids down i'm just entertaining myself for hours grabbing you failed me for the last time i got a bad feeling about this i know you really like most people when they have time off the wife is gone whatever it's like oh what can i get done peyton it's like Oh, how can I screw around even more? <laughs> I know. I'm going to spend two hours getting sound effects. Well, I actually work my butt off when she's gone, but I specifically set aside the projects that are kind of almost like you can't justify them any other time. Like, how do I, how do I justify sitting and listening to hours worth of sound clips? It has to be time. I can't take time from real stuff to do that. You know what I mean? I am Mama fixing me, a toilet. That's a spicy meatball. That's all I'm I am saying. repairing a toilet today. Does that count? I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I'm taking the guts out of the toilet and replacing them. Hey, I can't thing. go into this story completely. So all I'm going to say is this. If you happen to go to Burger King and you see their <laughs> Halloween burger, I'm just telling you, don't buy it. And I can't go into you it any deeper. One, Pete? What's that? You mean the black one, the one yeah. where the bun is black? The one where the bun is black. black. I'm going to tell you right now, don't get it. <laughs> don't eat it. Isn't like the ketchup black? Like everything's black except for the cheese? No. Is it like orange or something? No, just the bun. That's oh, okay. it. Just the bun. But they have, they also put A1 Bolden's, not A1 Bolden spices, just uh, regular A1 on it. Well, well what, what happened, Pete? I'm just going to. you ate that? What I happened? Think, I don't think I should share it on. Uh, <laughs> On the Church Planner podcast, but all I'm going to say is I'm I'm officially warning everyone right now: don't eat the black bun. I I've been told <laughs> I've been told to turn the buns black. They literally had to put so much green food coloring in it that it would turn black. Oh my god! And it makes other things turn black. That's all I'm saying. It just or uh, turn green. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, you know. So you don't have a black whopper coming out the other end. You got it's it. not black. <laughs> it's not black at all. In fact, it's it's awfully Hulk like. It's awfully angry. <laughs> so so that's the Halloween scares. The Hulk comes out. Roar, it's it's like you get, it's like you get to enjoy Halloween twice. It's quite spooky. Yeah. So I'm just I'm I'm warning everyone. It's like I don't know three four days later, and I'm I'm still feeling uh. 
Anyway, so. Well, Pete, I appreciate you taking one for the team, man, and sussing that out for everybody. Oh, you know, hey. Just- I almost forgot. I, I was going to mention this to you. Uh, you and I were meeting some people at uh, Exponential on um, Thursday, it was. <laughs> yeah. And we were having lunch with uh, a couple of them. So we went over to um, In-N-Out Burger. And I'm not kidding, dude. Like, there in front of me, I'm pretty sure, was Kurt Overstreet. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. Does he ride a Red Hog or Red Harley? Yeah. 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 I was like, dude, I think that's, but it's hard to tell, right? Because he had a helmet on, sunglasses, and then, you know, him. the beard. But I'm like, dude, I think that's Kurt. Yeah, because I honked at him a couple of times in the parking lot. And oh, did he was you? Like, I, I drove past him. And I have a jump school sticker on the back of my uh, my my window on my truck. <laughs> he texts me a couple of days later. Hey, was that you, man? Because some, you know, I kept thinking, why some gigolo like, you know, honking at me every time he goes by? And he's like, I figured maybe that's Peyton. That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, maybe we should actually get on to part four of preaching. Thoughts? Yeah. Think we should? Do we done with yeah. Smack Talk? We got it all out. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's hard to it's hard hard to beat the Black Whopper story, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'll, my fair warning. My Be fair warning. Warned. Yeah, I'm never. I'm never having one of those ever again. Great okay. Scott. It's time for this week's topic. All right. So this week's topic is preaching part four. Peyton, take preaching. it away. Part I'll, four. I'll come so, back in 40 minutes when you're done. Okay. All right. Well, you know, interrupt me, man, because, uh, you know, that's. Uh, I want to start off, though, with a joke. There's an elderly pl- priest who had spent 50 years preaching and been on mission. And one night he dreamed uh, that he died and he went to the pearly gates. And St. Peter was at the gate like he always is. And he goes, who's there? And the guy goes, oh, it's Father Clyde. And uh, St. Peter goes, oh, Father Clyde. Oh, yes. Hold on. I'm sorry, but you can't come in. You have to first go to purgatory. So this is obviously this is from a Catholic uh, frame of, frame of uh, theology here. And spend three months there. And he goes, three months in purgatory? I spent my life preaching missions all over Australia. And St. Peter goes, please be calm, Father. You won't have to work. We have a comfortable chair for you in a comfortable room. You won't have to do anything except listen to your own sermons day and night. We taped all the sermons you preached at the missions. And suddenly the priest wakes up in a cold sweat. And <laughs> that's the joke. I'd say it was a very good joke, right? <laughs> no, I got it. <laughs> I got it. But but here's the punchline, right? I mean, you know, think of it. I have sat. I mean, I, I haven't really preached. In, in about a year's time, but I have, I've I sat have been, through 150 hours of you preaching on this podcast. So <laughs> I kind of understand what the guy's going through. Ouch. Yeah. See, so I was getting ready to slam other people and in return, <laughs> I got slammed. I'm not going to tell this story anymore. I'm too hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal, right? Um, you know, I, I've, I've heard lots of uh, sermons, but I think. You know, there's a consideration when you're preaching that, you know, and I hear a lot of young guys, I hear guys out of seminary, and they're really excited to, to you know, kind of talk about all this stuff that they learned in seminary and all the stuff that, you know, was kind of a, a uh, you know, uh, they're all excited about what their professor said. But 
The reality is your sermons um, can be boring. And a lot of exposit, when a guy's learning to exposit a text, he can be boring. And so today, what I want to talk about, you know, there's there's two things that we can talk about. We haven't even gotten um, to the content part of the sermon yet. We've been talking about the preparation, right? The motives, the heart, the aim, what the calling, all those things so far. Preaching is a big subject. And there's a lot in the Bible about preaching. Um, but, you know, today I want to talk a little bit about some of the delivery because content is another thing. We're going to talk about how to prep it, how to how to build your content, what, what a good balance of content ought to be. But we've been talking preparation so far. Today we need to talk a little bit about delivery because I think if you start with the end product, and that's really what we've been doing with talking the preparation. And now we're talking about the uh, the delivery um, is that you 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 don't want to be boring. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you might know that your people really don't have the foggiest clue about, nor do they want to know it. So you can be like, you know, in the Greek, it's this and that. They really don't care. They're just trying to get through another week figuring out, you know, I don't feel in love with my spouse anymore. And how am I going to stay in this marriage another day? And, you know, or, or like the, you know, the meth addict who's like, you know what, I'm just trying to stop from cooking my brain because all I can think about right now and here is how badly, uh, you know, I need a fix. And I think if you would preach with that in mind, that the people in front of you are real people with real problems, then you'll realize you cannot waste their time on a Sunday. And I think a lot of times when people are, um, getting, you know, when they're prepping, they lose sight of the people that they're prepping for. They lose sight of the people that are going to be sitting in front of them. And Whitfield used to challenge young men never to be stiff, tiresome, or tedious. And I, I want to read this quote. This is awesome. He says, never be stiff, tiresome, or tedious. The English cannot bear this. Yet, do not be too short. Let the people have all from you, but much and little. Many preachers seem to have trouble giving the people much and little. So, you know, instead they have the problem that uh, Winston Churchill once accused Ramsey McDonald of having the gift of compressing the largest possible amount of words into the smallest possible amount of thought. <laughs> well, I think you got to be careful, though, when you say, you know, you uh, maybe you've gone to seminary, right? Maybe you've got all this knowledge. And, uh, you know, part of what you're kind of saying is, you don't need to share it all, but I think there's a time and you need to know your audience. Like, yeah, you need to, um, you need to be able to read your audience and see yes. where they're at. Because I, I will say like when someone brings up the Greek, you can bring it up out of arrogance or you can bring it up to really help people understand a concept. So I, I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not against no, people right. bringing up, you know, things to really help me understand, especially when you're dealing with people who don't have a church background, yeah. who uh, might be newly saved. Yeah. Uh, they don't know who Paul is. They don't know who Saul is. They don't know um, the early church. They don't know 12 uh, disciples. They don't know any of that stuff. Yeah. So sometimes you gotta, you gotta really spell things out. You're right. You know, and I, and I don't want to say by any means never use a Greek. I use a Greek when it's helpful. 
And when it's helpful to my audience, not when it's, I'm just so excited about all this content that I'm just going to barf it all over people. Um, you know, because I know it like can keep in mind, you may study for a sermon 20 plus hours, but that doesn't mean that the people need 20 hours worth of study. What, what they need is they need it distilled into something useful, right? Yeah. They, they need a distillery. That's what you need to be. You need to distill this truth and it should be intelligent. I think you bring up a really good point. It shouldn't be stupid. I mean, preaching can be stupid. I hear guys up there just rambling, just talking, trying to be relevant, and they're rambling. Or people that it's just a giant stand-up comedy show. Um, and, and so you know what it's like when, say, for example, we all know the stereotype of the guy where the girl says, what do you do for a living? And they're on their first date, and he just goes into, you know, for 45 minutes making widgets, you know, or, or, or talking about the weenus. And it's like, Nobody cares about that, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's an old story. We might have even sh- uh, shared it on the podcast, but there's some reporter, and she was meeting with, like, two of the richest men uh, in America. Or not in, um, it was either in America or in the world. And uh, so she met with one of them, and, and this was over dinner, and, and she goes, you know, after she left that interview, she was like, wow, you know, I feel like... Uh, I feel like I just had dinner with like the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. His knowledge is incredible. What he knows and what he's done. I mean, it, it's incredible. And like the next night she had a uh, dinner with the, uh, the second guy. And, um, the next day she's like, you know, after having dinner with him, he made me feel like I was the most interesting person <laughs> in the world. And it's like, you know, you you yeah just because you know it uh you know and it's interesting to you but you really want to connect with people it's about what's interesting to them yeah like yeah what's really going to connect with them so yeah and i think you have you have to do that look at jesus right jesus is god and jesus is not trying to wow people with how much he knows he's trying to connect with them so he's telling these stories and and all that kind of stuff and you know jesus uh, he wasn't stupid. I mean, you read the Gospels, and every time you read them, it's deep. It's, uh, I mean, none of us is ever going to preach like Jesus. There's just no way. I mean, that was original. Con- We're re-preaching his stuff. But it's still just as profound. And, yes, we want it to have that same impact when we're preaching as it does when we read it, uh, but, but even more so. Um, but, but I think, you know, yes, preaching should be intelligent. It should... Uh, it, it should it should definitely not be short either. Like, here's, here's my point. This is what I'm trying to say. Don't be boring. You can even be a little bit longer. You know, you can be 40 minutes. Um, Lloyd-Jones used to say that, you know, and this is a guy that preached for an hour. And he, he would say, look, I wasn't always a, a long preacher. We have to bring people up to it. Um, your people have, if you're going to go longer, you have to you have to look at the people in front of you. So in a church plant, you start shorter and you bring them up if you need to. You don't start by preaching at them for an hour, particularly if they're non-believers. What you do is you start off 30 minutes preach, then you give them discussion for about 20 minutes. Um, discussion's always good. And uh, by the way, that helps foster understanding. So um, a, a great example of that is in the book of Ezra, where it says that Ezra preached on a platform of wood to the entire congregation of Israel, 
And then he sent the rest of the priests into the audience to explain what it meant. Basically, those were discussion groups. You can see those guys kind of milling through the crowd. And they're saying, do you understand what are you saying? Do you, well, I got this question. He said this. What's that stuff about the ox falling in the pit? Okay, well, look. Boom, 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 boom. That was a discussion group. So he sends all of the Levites out into the audience, and they foster discussion groups in the crowd. So it, it, you know, it's whatever's going to help connect with people. That's what's important. But, um, but, but the, the big deal is not to be boring. And I think when guys well, so, start yeah, off. You know, here's yeah. the interesting thing. And what you just said is I get this question all the time for my clients uh, on the marketing side. We will uh, be writing a sales letter or doing a video or uh, recording a interview. And without a doubt, every single one of them asks the same question. How long should it be? Mm. And I go, look, you, you're missing the point. Yeah. I don't care if it's a one page sales letter or literally a 108-page sales letter. The sin in marketing, and it sounds like it's also the sin in preaching, is you can't be boring. People will tolerate yeah. a lot of things, but they won't tolerate being bored. It's the unforgivable sin of a preacher. Yeah. You, can do, you can be too short. You can be too long. But if it's not boring, people will forgive it. Yeah. But if you're boring... Nothing else matters. You actually, and I do think it's a sin. I literally think it's a sin to take the most fascinating thing, the secrets of the universe, and be boring with it. I actually feel it's a sin. It is a, you become a bottleneck and a someone who has blocked. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong here. Holy Spirit can bypass you. I mean, I, <laughs> okay, I'm going to contradict what I just said because real life now, I went to I went on a mission trip to Hungary years ago, and I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. I don't want anyone to figure out who it was, but there was a preacher that they had come, and he spoke for a week. They did this basically. We did a week of outreach on the streets of Hungary, and then we took this. You could do this in Eastern Europe back then. We took a anyone who got converted. It was like, hey, come to the to the Balaton Lake, you know. Um, you know, and we'll in Hungary, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll we'll teach you. And so it was like this intense week long retreat for all the new converts. And that's how the church planning. That's how they did it back then. And so what happened was, you know, we we did it. But this guy, when this guy got up there, um, he he spoke, or they told me who it was going to be. And I remember this guy speaking at a youth conference, and he spoke for an hour and forty five minutes to my high scores up at the youth camp. And I'm like, oh, no. And 45 minutes of his sermon was him reading two quotes out of a book. And the rest was just rambling about it for an hour. So I'm like, oh, no. In my heart, like, I was just like, in my heart, I'm mocking the dude. I'm a little bit angry that they picked him. I'm feeling sorry for the new believers. And, of course, it's all happening through a translator. But I'll tell you what. He, he was not a good teacher or preacher by any means, but I sat there that week and the Holy Spirit was pouring into me through this guy. And I remember just laughing, going, this guy sucks. Like he really, truly sucks as a teacher. And yet the Holy Spirit's just ripping through this guy. <laughs> so I just contradicted everything I said. 
So well, the Holy Spirit kind of trumps everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've and, said and, that so many times. The Holy Spirit trumps everything. Absolutely, and and yet, you know, Paul says, "Study to show yourself approved, Timothy." a workman who needs not be ashamed, who rightly divides the word of truth. He's told to study, right? You need to study. And, and, and each of us, when we talk about content and delivery, I mean, uh, preparation, you know, we'll talk about that, that, that there's different ways that different guys work. I don't work like anyone else I know. I am unique in the way that I prep a sermon. Um, and, and it's not better than anyone. It's just me. In fact, it, it's really frustrating how it comes, comes about for me. It's, it makes it a lot harder for me. Um, I always wish I could be do it the way other people did it, but it's not how my brain works. But but the unforgivable sin is to not be boring. And Spurgeon and Lloyd Jones both, okay, they were like dynamic, amazing preachers that could hold thousands for an hour. And yet both of those guys had a problem where they felt like the guys who came up after them were trying to be them mm. and they weren't them and they were boring people. Because they would, you know, with Lloyd Jones, he he was into the Puritans, and people would be quoting them left and right, and um, you know, it just. And and the other thing is, like Lloyd Jones deplored humor in the pulpit. He said it has no place there, and Spurgeon laughed all the time in the pulpit and was the funniest guy on planet Earth when he was preaching. And and one of those things is that really, when it comes to it, one of the keys to not being boring is to be yourself, really. Um, you know, if you're a funny guy, be funny. Like as Lloyd Jones said, preaching is truth mediated through personality. Um, and <laughs> I like as Spurgeon said, Spurgeon quoted George McDonald once and says, jesters do often prove prophets. So <laughs> you, know, you do actually find that, uh, you know, humor is a great tool for communicating gospel truth. But, um, Yeah. I think I think when you're preaching to the unchurched as well, there's less, you know, people that are used to listening to sermons will forgive you for being boring. I remember in one of the church plants I was in, there was a couple that that came and then they left. And I asked them, I go, where'd you go? And of course, we rotate preachers and all the churches I plant. And he goes, that guy that you have in there, he's really, really boring. <laughs> I'm like, Dang, man. So you'll actually lose non-believers or new converts, because they'll be like, I just go there and I'm bored. So yeah. be very aware of that. They don't have and years not even of just sitting new through converts. sermons. What's that? Not even just new converts. Yeah. I have left many a church because I was not getting anything out of the preacher. Yeah. Now, granted, that was because I was always looking for, you know, what's in it for me, what's in it for me, not what can I contribute to the church. But I'm telling you, man, you, you people got to be getting something out of it. Or they're yeah. going to be gone. Yeah. And I would say most guys haven't learned how to exposit yet and not be boring. And, you know, they're trying to cross their T's, dot their I's, but it, it disconnects. It can be dispassionate. It can be disingenuous. But most of all, like I said, it can be boring. And so the first thing is that preaching, as we've said before, is not about just conveying information. It should be what people call theology on fire. It should warm. It should delight. And so if you're not warm and if you're not delightful um, and you're not delighted in what you're preaching in, then you're not going to be able to get anyone else excited about what you're like. Like we said last week, if there's no fire in the pulpit, there won't be fire in the, in the pew. But um, 
Unless the you have thing, the unless you have the Halloween burger, but that's a whole another kind of fire. <laughs> there is definitely some fire in the pew there, my friend. I'm just saying. So you know, um, one one of the other things is uh, you know you, you you need to you need to know where people are at. Um, you need to be in touch with pop culture. You need to use things as almost kind of tools. Uh, when you're preaching, one of the things that help you not, I, I would be say boring. you need to be, you need to keep up with pop culture. If that's your market, you need to know your market, your market. That's a marketing term. You need to know your audience more than, um, than just, well, I'm up on pop culture. Cause let's say you're in leisure world. That's a senior yeah, community yeah, yeah. for us. Being you up on be pop up culture, on you're going to help you. And murder. She wrote. And you know, well, yeah, that's that what I'm thing. saying. You need to be up on your audience and what, what connects with them. Like no, if, absolutely. Well, if that's your audience is like punk rockers, and I'm not talking about like, or, or maybe not punk is not even the right word. Maybe like the metal heads, right? Then you need to be up on what's important to them because I'll tell you what, it isn't Lady Gaga, right? It's not, it's not um, pop culture. It's their culture. It's what's important to them. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if you're doing like, let's let's just imagine now you're planting in the punk community. Right. Let's just let's just imagine. Now, I don't think that's ever been done. But first off, you'd have Scalaluya worship music, right? You you would have a punk. Or, but how would you preach? You know, what what would your preaching be like? Um, it wouldn't be like you said. It wouldn't be like the same thing you'd have on a on church in a Sunday morning. You would probably do it like a gig, and then you would preach in between because punkers always talk in between their songs. You know. And then you would do something like you talk about Jesus was a was a punk rocker, right? He was anti-establishment. He was anti-authority. He was anti. You would go into all the things about Jesus that got him killed because, you know, there is very much um, the idea that Jesus was a spiritual revolutionary. But rather than with a fist or a, a, a foot in the teeth, it was truly countercultural. And you would you would be looking as a missionary for those gospel ends. I totally made that up. No one's going to go out and run and plant. A punk church, but again, you would be looking at everything completely differently, and um, and like you said, yeah, you you would literally get to know the things that matter to them. So when I worked with blue collar people in Wales, um, factory workers, I had to learn what they were into. They're very superstitious um, people from low economic, and you could probably draw comparisons with people from the marketing world. Right. Like, what are they into? Um, a lot of them believe in karma and things like that. Mm. So you would you would kind of um, and it's their kind of superstition. Well, in lower economic communities, um, the lottery is a big deal. You know, the idea that I just trudge along in my work and the only thing that's ever going to break me out, the harder I work, I won't make more money. I'll stay in my social strata, which is lower economic class. And then and this is working class now in, in, in Britain. Um, where I was ministering, um, the idea that there's people that are lucky and there's people that aren't. And so fate is a big deal. And so you start appealing to all of those things, um, the idea of fate and destiny and, and how the die was rolled and cast for you. And so then you start telling, well, God has a plan, a different tra- trajectory for your life. Um, th- there's a there's an avenue there, an in for the gospel. Have you ever you know, like like we used to tell people in the eighties, if you ever consider that maybe God has a plan for your life that's totally different than what you have. Um, who's who's the guy that Bo Crescetto? 
who said the way that he shares the gospel, the message that appeals right now to the millennials is, does it work? It's a type of pragmatism. Mm. Well, you've tried life. It's not working for you like this. Have you, you know, have you considered, you know, this is what I've done. This is what's worked for me. And that leads them into a conversation with Jesus. So you can see that, like you said, as a marketer or as an evangelist, you enter the conversation people are having. And the reason I mention pop culture is because you find out the things that mean something to them. So when I was in the factory, every, every guy, every hard, you know, practically illiterate factory worker read the newspaper and they were rags, man. They were not, it was not Wall Street Journal. It was not LA Times. It was not, it was, they were rags. They were basically good for, there was a, a girl that was naked on page three and there was flashy headlines, bad journalism and uh, sports. And that's all it was. And so that's what guys read. And so I started learning to watch rugby, man. Because that like today, Wales is playing Australia. I still follow the rugby because that became a way of life for me to connect with guys that I worked with. I would talk to them about sports and I would use sports illustrations when I was preaching. And I'm not a big sports watcher. Does that make sense? Yeah. Here's kind of the uh, the correlation that I see between this and what I do in the marketing world. Right now, I'm training about 30 real estate agents on how to be effective in marketing their real estate services. And part of what got them into this training program of mine was I was you know, basically pointing out to them, I go, look, I bet you anything right now, I can go in the parking lot. And I'm going to see somebody has got a wrap on their back window that says, thinking of buying or selling, call Pete and their phone number. And I'm like, basically what you're saying is, if you're breathing, I can help you with real estate. You're trying to be basically all things to everybody. And it doesn't work when you're trying to connect with people. Like, and I'm not saying you can't be all things to everybody. Like how Paul said, you know, I became all things to all people. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about he became all things, but he became something specific when he was talking to a specific group. So I'm taking them through this five-week training. And last week was the first week. And the first week, really what we focused on was knowing your audience. And it was interesting to me because most real estate agents were like, well, it's pretty much anybody that's thinking about selling their home or it's pretty much anybody that's thinking about buying their home. And I'm like, no, it's not. All right. Is your market veterans? If it's veterans, you know what? Yeah. They got different questions. Yeah. They want to know an Oceanside. It's going to be different than if you're in Huntington Beach. Right. They want to know about how do the VA loans work? Yep. You know, what are all the ins and outs of that? They want to know what about if uh, I get called back to active duty you know, they, they've got a different set of questions. Know Absolutely. your audience, meet your audience where they're at. If your audience is um, like this, this one realtor I was talking to, she's in uh, a resort location. And so most people who buy homes there, it's a second home or it's a rental home. Yeah. Okay, totally different mindset. And then you got to meet that person where they're at. And basically what you're saying is the same thing is you really have to know who your audience is and don't assume that your audience is who you think your audience is. Like you got to find out what's important to them, not what's important to you. And you're just transferring it to them. Like I hate sports. Absolutely. 
I do. I mean, sports to me is like the most boring thing in the world. I know you can't say that as a dude, but I don't watch football. No, I, I agree. I don't give I a agree. rip. That's about why it. we talk Star Wars, man. It is. But it's and like if if I was planting to a bunch of dudes, or if I was on a college campus, I would actually learn that. I hated basketball, but all since you know, at Biola they don't have a football team; they got a basketball team. That's the big team. So I went to every basketball game. I've never been to one since. I did it because that's who I was with, right? You know, and I was connecting with them. So that's anyway. My point is, is I totally agree, and it's the same thing with marketing. You've got to really know your audience. Well, okay, and and the reason this is important because I know some of our listeners are going, well. Where are you going with this? Well, here's the deal, right? Um, you have to be able to connect with things they already know. Okay, so we're talking about don't be boring. One of the keys is to illustrate. That's why I mentioned pop culture. That's why I talk about entering the conversation they're having. There are things they're already experts in and things they know. And when you can connect gospel truth to those things, it's powerful. Why do you think that when Jesus is in rural communities, he tells a million stories about farmers and fields and animals? Because that's what they knew. And because that's what they knew, that was their life. Had he been in a metropolis, he would have talked different things. In fact, when he was in those cities, he would talk about things like, you know, a tax collector did this or, a, you know, whatever. The, Jesus constantly illustrated. He told illustrations about uh, fishing. He told illustrations about lost coins, lost sheep. Um, he told illustrations. I mean, you name it. That's what Jesus did. He was constantly illustrating. And so it becomes a, a chance to connect with people, um, kind of like I used to preach the Matrix. The, I mean, when I first got to Wales, the Matrix was huge. And I, I did the whole, you know, take the red pill, take the blue pill. I mean, that's so overdone now. But at the time, I, I was the only guy I knew talking like that because, you know, I was over there. And that movie was just, it was about a year behind on popularity. I mean, it was kind of a dark horse coming in the movie theater anyways. It took a while for that thing to really kind of generate. No one knew it was going to be the hit it was when it first came out. But, uh, you know, Man, if if a if any of those movies, blockbusters came out, I would put those things to work, man. I'd I'd saddle that donkey for Jesus and let him ride it. You know what I mean? And 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 here's the deal: all the greatest soul winners, and we're talking about preaching to the lost here. Here's the thing, church planner: your focus needs to be on reaching lost people if you're church planning, not entertaining Christians, right? And and what I'm saying is, in reaching lost people, you can still do it in a way that connects and is not boring. And I love the way that Spurgeon once sat with his students and he said to them, you know, if you can illustrate truths and, and, and the Puritans were really good, they would do two things. They would either, um, they, they could do it in two directions. They could illustrate from a text like you do, you know, you, you take a Bible text and then you make up a bunch of illustrations from it or you look them up or whatever. But the Puritans also trained themselves to look at nature or life around them and reverse engineer illustrations. So they would say, well, gosh, that's how it works in the, you know, in, 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 in nature, there's got to be an underlying spiritual principle or spiritual truth that coincides with that because the creator of the universe made something to work in such a way that I bet boom, boom, boom. So uh, it's what you see like Solomon doing when he's looking at creation. 
And he talks about everything working in cycles. He talks about the water cycle, the cycle of the stars and the moon and the sun. He's looking at all these cycles and he goes, guys, everything happens in cycles. And even your life, you know, you're, one, you're a, a spoke in a big wheel. You're going to live your life in a cycle. And then another dude's going to come pick up where you left off. And this whole thing's going to cycle all over. And that's why it's, it's meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanity, because he sees it as a bunch of cycles. So he's reversed engineered spiritual truth from nature. And so Spurgeon told his uh, class one day at the, at the pastor's college, he said, for example, he's talking about illustration, and he said, uh, you should be able to get um, 100 illustrations about the gospel from that candle on the table. And they all went, no, 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 you know, that's, that's a bunch of bull honky. And he said, okay, well, here's the deal. He goes, um, and, and he, he literally said, here's your homework come up with, uh, or no, he said, here's your homework. Come up with a hundred illustrations from that candle by tomorrow. And they all started guffawing and complaining. And then he just sat there and he rattled off a hundred right there. And then he said, okay, so I've done the first hundred. Now you're going to go away. And now your assignment is to find a hundred more. <laughs> they all shut up. Next day they come and they come up with maybe 20 or 10 that he hadn't rattled off. And he sat there and rattled off a hundred more. And that's the power of illustration. That's why Jesus' teaching was illustration. So um, I can remember when people started getting saved in that steelworker town, I would talk to them about, you know, like, you know, they because I'm American, that's all they want to talk about was movies, you know? And I remember telling one guy, I'm like, well, being a Christian is kind of like being a Jedi. You know, you got all this pull to the dark side all the time. And he goes, Oh, I totally get it now. I get it. So it's not about being good. It's, it's about, so we were talking about the Holy Spirit. It's about following the Holy Spirit. It's not a good and bad test. It's about keeping in touch with the Holy Spirit and not letting, and he's like, ah, oh. so flesh and spirit, just talk about Jedi. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, uh, and it, and, and what you're really doing, and this is what Jesus did. He presented truth smuggled piggyback on truths that they already knew. So, so you're connecting to what they already know and you're, you're reinforcing spiritual truth by what they already know. That's why it's so powerful. So um, I, I, are we out of time? We've still got a few. We only have a few more minutes, but you know, okay. whatever you got. Whatever you want yeah, to throw I, onto the tack end, of, tack onto the back of that. <laughs> yeah, um, it, you know, here, here's the deal. Um, I don't, I don't really want to see anybody, uh, be boring. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on preachers as you guys are listening to this and you're saying, man, I, I, um, I really, you know, I, I want to study to show myself approved. I want to prepare. I don't want to have stupid sermons. I don't want it to be Christianity for idiots every week. It doesn't have to be for simpletons. It can be deep and it can be meaty but it can't be boring. It has to be accessible. You have to make complex things simple without making your sermon stupid. And, you know, your sermon doesn't have to be complex. Uh, Jesus was very simple, and yet he was very profound. And that's why study is important. Um, your study is, is going to determine how well you have grasped it will actually determine 
how you're able to, to transform it from a bunch of theoreticals into very distilled, powerful spiritual truth that changes their life and impacts their heart, their mind, and their will. And so, um, that, you know, this is starting to get into the actual preparation now. And so what I'll probably do is just hold off until next week and we'll actually get down to probably what everyone else has been waiting for is how do I prepare a good sermon? And we'll start talking about that next time. Well, and before we, we officially sign off, I actually just remembered in your talking a smack story that I didn't share. Oh, <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't tie in at all, but I'm going to share it anyway. Well, there you go. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to one of my mastermind groups about these real estate agents I was talking to. And there's a guy on there who I'd never met, never talked to before. He'd never been on the mastermind call. And so he's asking all these questions. And then he sets up an appointment to talk to me the following day. So I end up talking to him. And as we start talking, now this is all business, right? This is my, my whole business group. All of a sudden he goes, yeah, I was doing a little bit of research on you. You know Peyton Jones? Oh, that was funny. Yeah. And I go, yeah, I know Peyton Jones. He's a business partner of mine. And he goes, dude, uh, that guy is awesome. And I go, do you know him? And he goes, no, but I follow him. And I mean, he's he's uh, been in uh, Lloyd Jones's church, and he starts just going off and off, and it ends up we have this total connection because of you, and that's never happened in the business world before. <laughs> where they're like, "Do you know Peyton Jones?" I'm like, "Man, even over here, everyone asks about him. It's never about Pete. It's never about Pete." <laughs> Peyton Jones's little buddy. That's how you're going to get known soon. Apparently. Apparently. I thought it was funny. So I know that doesn't have anything to do with this, but I meant to share it in the smack talk. I thought well, it was what's funny. What's really funny, though, is that you totally, you just go, oh, yeah, I know him. You didn't, like, you didn't, like, make it, like, we talk every day. We're like best friends, you know? Well, it's because I don't really talk to you that often, and I barely even consider you an acquaintance, so. Yeah, that's kind of more like it. That's true. Yeah. No, but it, it we don't was, even really like each other. No, we're we just kind of using. What each I other. think is funny is you actually texted me some movie, and you're like, "You got to watch this." And the first thought that went through my head was, "You know what? You and I really don't like the same movies, though." So I'm no. a little bit like, "I don't know if I'm going to like it or not." Well, the funny thing is, I didn't really like it, um, so you'll probably love it. But it it was just, it was just kind of original. It was just different, and it was different enough where I was like, you got to watch this. And no, Church Planner, we're not going to tell you what the title of it is. <laughs> no, we're not going to tell you. <laughs> so, uh, hey, you know, one other thing, let me just ask you real quick. Can you um, just throw a Flanders in there for me? I, well, I, of course I, I can. Him. You know, for some Calm reason. Calm down, diddly, 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 diddly. They did their best. Shoddly, diddly, diddly, diddly. Got to be nice. Hostility, diddly, diddly, diddly. Oh, hell, diddly, ding, dong, crap. So I had a a moment this week where I I I felt like Flanders and I actually thought about that quote and it just made me start laughing. <laughs> and it was it was the best medicine ever. <laughs> just got me over the hump. I was like, thank you, Flanders. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we got no food, we got no jobs, our pets heads are falling off. Check, please. 
Hey, um, so let me ask you real quick before we uh, we sign off. You know, do you know of a good service that you could recommend? Because I actually had a church planner reach out to me, and uh, they're like, you know, Pete, I'm really not good at bookkeeping or payroll or insurance or any of that stuff. Uh, who can help me with that? Do you have any recommendations, Peyton? You know, I do, actually, Pete. Um, it's funny. I was just uh, surfing the web. And I found a site called SimplifyChurch.com. Wow. And, SimplifyChurch.com? Yeah. Like, it, it just sounds like they take your church and uh, they take your, 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 your accounting needs and they make it simple. I'm telling you, why didn't someone else think about naming their business Simplify Church? <laughs> what's, uh, what, I, what's funny is uh, their old name is like Access Network. And when I was talking with Josh, he goes, yeah, I don't know why we picked that. No one has any idea what that does. That's why I, start, that's why I started laughing. I'm like, it's a good thing they did. <laughs> SimplifiedChurch.com. Go on over there, and they will help you out with all your bookkeeping, payroll, basically anything that has to do with admin, they can help you with. You got questions I, with websites, they're there for you. And I have a story for you, church planner, that just sweetens that deal. So uh, I had to make a budget. I am never the treasurer, and I am never the budget maker. And so this time around, I always sucker. I mean, find people that are you know capable of getting into that role, and they make the budgets. But this time, I had to make a budget uh, because of the affiliation that we had. They asked for it. Um, but this week, and this is music to your ears, church planner. I got an email from Simplified Church saying, hey, it's that time of year, time to make your annual budget, and we can help you. So they will actually look at what went on in your church last year and propose a budget for you. How flipping awesome is that? That's fantastic. I just hope that our pastors actually pay attention to that budget, but that's just me. Yeah. You know, speaking of flipping, um, Pete Mitchell found <laughs> the best church sign I have ever seen. Flipping Church of God? Flipping Church of God. And and I'm like, that, how did you get that? The flipping church of God. And go on. Well, what's best is that there's a because flipping is the name of the city. And so there's flipping <laughs> church of God, there's flipping first Baptist, uh, there's uh first Presbyterian of flipping. There's like <laughs> All and these. at the bottom, it says, we are not charismatic. <laughs> it was like so awesome. Flippin' is the name of your city. And so, you know, every Baptist church, the first one to the town has to go, I'm First Baptist. I'm flipping First Baptist. This oh, is great. Yeah, baby. This is great. Flippin' First Baptist Church. Oh, yes. I love it. All right. Well, hey, uh, that's about it, I think. Are we done? We're done. We're out Gotta of time. Gotta be nice. Time to go, hostility diddly. All right. Well, hey, Church Planner, thanks for joining us today. This is our afternoon head. So uh, normally you hear us with morning head. I got to be honest, Pete. I struggled today with afternoon head. I know. Me too. I think it's because it's I, so stinking hot. It's 90 degrees. We did talk oh, about 90 for you. Of, it's actually 100 where I'm at. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, it probably is on, on my end, but it forecasted 90 uh, as the high today. Yeah, it's 100 but, right now in Rossmore. Oh, dude. With about well, an 85% humidity rate. It's pretty nasty. So you got to give us a break. Today's a day for talcum powder, not for podcasts. Yeah. So anyways, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, 
You need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music